Welcome to True Drew Podcast, your source for all things Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Avery, and on this podcast, we'll discuss everything from the Nancy Drew books, to computer games, to movie adaptations, and TV shows. Nothing is off the table. So if you're a True Drew, you'll definitely want to tune in for this podcast. Hello, True Drews, and welcome to the podcast. Today on episode seven, we're going to be talking about the secret of Shadow Ranch. I also wanted to take a quick second and wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you all get to spend some time with your family and loved ones today and eat some good food. I don't know about you all. Turkey is not really my favorite thing. Probably my favorite thing is my mom's corn casserole. She makes it and it is fantastic. So I hope you all get to spend some time with the people that are important in your life today. And I hope you get to tune into this episode. I wanted to keep to a schedule and still post an episode today, even though it is Thanksgiving. So I've pre-recorded this and I hope you guys are excited because this is one of my favorite Nancy Drew books. So The Secret of Shadow Ranch is actually the fifth book in the Nancy Drew series and it was written in 1931. And another quick fact, this is actually the first book that we see Bess and George in. I think I mentioned in a previous episode that I wasn't sure if it was this book or The Secret of Redgate Farm that Bess and George come into the picture, but it's this book and we go to their aunt and uncle's farm, the Raleigh's and, or their ranch I should say, and investigate a haunting and a phantom horse. But before we get into that and some of the plot, I thought it would be cool to analyze the different covers for this book. There were actually three that I found and we will talk about them now. So the first book cover from 1931 shows Nancy astride a horse and she's wearing jodhapurs and she looks very looks more English style as far as the riding goes. She's got like what looks like a riding crop in her hand and she's wearing this red jacket. She's again got the short blonde hair and we see somebody in the background. I don't know if that's supposed to be Alice running from somebody who's got a stick and is chasing her. So that's kind of interesting, but uh, we can see the mountains in the background and Nancy is riding around on the ranch. As for the second cover, it looks very 1950s to me, and Nancy is again astride this horse. She's still wearing the jodhapurs and the boots, and she's got like a little scarf on. She's very fashionable on this one, and the this one never fails to make me laugh because I think this is supposed to be the scene where Shorty saddles up Nancy's horse and it starts to go berserk when she gets on it and come to find out there's a burr underneath the saddle. So, of course, Nancy looks terrified in this cover, and so does the horse, and he's probably in pain. Now, the third and final cover is the one that I grew up with as a kid, and it shows Nancy on this black stallion, and this one, she's wearing jeans and a green turtleneck. She looks more, like, ranch-ready on this cover, and she's got the red hair, and then you see the phantom horse in the background. And that's the only cover where we see the phantom horse. It's not on the previous two covers at all. Now, if you're a true Nancy Drew fan, you've probably seen these covers at some point in time, but if you want to see them again for just reference sake uh, during this podcast, I always post these covers a day or two before the podcast comes out on Thursdays so y'all can kind of see which ones I'm talking about, but our Instagram is True Drew Podcast, and I'd love to see you all over there. That's also the place where I just like to share a lot of funny memes and Nancy Drew related content, and y'all can get the latest updates on episodes. Now, I did come up with a funny cover spoof, and I like to do these spoofs where I I come up with a title based on just looking at the book. If I had never seen 
the original title, What Would I Name the Book? So what I came up with it was it should be outlawed to look this good while riding a horse because Nancy looks so fashionable in every one of these covers. Like her hair, not a piece of it is out of place. And other than the one where she looks like terrified for her life, like she looks completely poised. I also like to give the book covers a magnifying glass rating, and honestly, I like every one of these covers, so I would say five magnifying glasses across the board. There's not one of these covers that I like any less than the others. I feel like they all have a lot of action in them. They show pretty accurately what the book is about, and I love the colors that they used. So now we're going to dive into the characters in this book, and there's quite a few. So, as I mentioned before, this is Bess, Marvin, and George Fane's first appearance. Those are Nancy's friends, and they are both cousins. And we're going to their aunt and uncle's ranch, and their Aunt Bet and Uncle Ed Raleigh. There's also a lot of people that work on the Raleigh's ranch. There's Shorty Steele. There is Dave Gregory, who's just another ranch hand. Walt Sanders is apparently the foreman. There's someone named Bud Moore, Tex Britton. And there's Miss Thurmond, who is the cook. So for those of you that have played the Nancy Drew computer game, The Secret of Shadow Ranch, Shorty, Steele, and Mrs. Thurmond probably stuck out to you in this list of characters because in the computer game, they just basically combined Shorty, Steele, and Miss Thurmond and made it Shorty Thurmond. And he was the cook. So I thought that was kind of cool. Another similarity between the computer game and the book is Tex Britton's character and Dave Gregory. Tex is described as having red hair in the book and being much younger than the Tex we see in the Her Interactive game. And Dave Gregory doesn't have too much description to him in the book, but he is, of course, Nancy's love interest in the book as well as in the game. There's also a few other minor characters in this book. There is Sheriff Curtis. There is Alice, who is a cousin of Bess and George. And there's this whole subplot in the book of her trying to find her dad. And there's Apache Chief, who is the Raleigh's dog. And there is a vendor in town who is Native American, and her name is Mary Deer. And I believe that is who Mary Yazzie is supposed to be based on in the Her Interactive computer games. And the final character that I have on my list is a Mr. Diamond, who is a very shifty character throughout the book. Now, I came up with the briefest synopsis that I could because this book had a lot going on, a lot of different subplots and things happening, so here we go. Nancy, Bess, and George go to visit the Raleigh's Ranch in Arizona, but once Nancy meets up with the other girls at the airport, they tell her they may have to go home because of mishaps like a fallen windmill and a phantom horse. While talking it over at the airport, Nancy feels like they're being eavesdropped on, and then her purse goes missing. She finds it, but the man listening in leaves a warning in their car to not go to Shadow Ranch. The girls start across the desert and encounter a sandstorm and an overheated radiator. Dave Gregory saves the day, and they all head back to the ranch, only to find a rattlesnake rattle and another warning in Nancy's purse. Following this warning, the pump house at the ranch is sabotaged. Nancy and the others go into town, and she stops Mary Deer's shop from being robbed. The Native American woman is thankful, so she gives Nancy a watch that once belonged to Frances Humber. Frances lived on Shadow Ranch in the late 1800s and had a relationship with the infamous bank robber Dirk Valentine. Rumor has it Valentine left a treasure somewhere on the property. Nancy wonders if this might be the reason for sabotage. Later that night, Nancy sees the phantom horse. Realizing it's a distraction, she goes back to find their room ransacked. 
Meanwhile, Alice says the pastel drawing Nancy bought at Mary Deer's looks like one her father did. He is missing, and Alice wants Nancy to find him. The girls go on a trail ride and see a cabin, and Shorty says he knows a shortcut to it, but seems to be purposefully leading them away from it. Nancy comes back later to investigate, and they find Chief, who had been missing since the Phantom Horse sighting. They find pastels, which Alice swears are her dad's. The girls also explore a ghost town and get caught up in a rock slide and flash flood. Dave, who has been calling Nancy Tenderfoot and being gruff with her, suddenly changes his tune and invites her to a barbecue. Nancy explores the spring house after someone locks her in the tack room and finds a secret passageway, and Dave, who admits he's a relative of Frances Humber's and is looking for the treasure, but is not the one sabotaging the ranch. Dave also shares that Francis's father was the sheriff, and on one night when Francis and Dirk were meant to rendezvous in the spring house, Francis's father shot and killed Dirk Valentine. Nancy, Bess, George, and Dave dig in the cellar after getting a full message from the half of a picture Nancy found in Francis's watch, and one Dave said has been passed down in his family, but there is no green bottle in the cellar. Nancy remembers how Dave said Francis was found turning on a lamp the night Valentine died, and on a hunch, looks in an old lamp in the storeroom and finds Valentine's note in a green bottle inside it, talking about the treasure. Not long after, the power goes out and Nancy chases the phantom horse, but it escapes. Nancy and the girls go into town to buy dresses for the barbecue, then Nancy and Alice ride up Shadow Mountain to knock on the cabin door, and the man who was eavesdropping at the airport answers it. He lies and says he's the artist of the pastels, but Alice thinks her father is being held hostage. Later at the barbecue, Bercy, the man from the cabin, and Mr. Diamond, who showed interest in Francis's watch at Mary's shop, try to abduct Nancy, but are stopped by Bess and George. Later, Nancy makes an announcement from the square dancing stage, hoping to double-cross those who are after the treasure. Nancy and the girls go up to the cliff dwellings and find Alice's captive father along the way. They locate the treasure and apprehend Shorty, Bercy, and Al Diamond. So, as you can see, a lot of things happened in this book. So, I also came up with a newspaper headline synopsis, and that is... Teen Sleuth Finds Long Lost Treasure and Stops Ranch Sabotage. So I took a bunch of notes on this book and I want to start with the fact that the sexual tension between Nancy and Dave is like at an all-time high because they are constantly like he's calling her tenderfoot all the time and then at one point he says yes miss detective that's mud from outside the pump house and he's just really gruff with her and kind of holds her at a distance but you can tell that he totally likes her. I don't know, the Dave Gregory from the computer games was so much nicer and just more polite. This Dave is just very gruff and rude, but he kind of reads Nancy's mind at points, and I think she likes that. It makes me think of the Dirk Valentine letters in the Her Interactive computer game, where he's like talking to Francis and he's like, I like Vex in your brain. <laughs> so I think Nancy kind of vexes Dave and the feeling is mutual. So the next note I have down is, I know times were different, but Mary left her shop unlocked and unsupervised and went to the coffee shop next door. So yeah, I probably wouldn't have done that, but Mary Deer leaves her shop unlocked and she goes next door. But she does mention in the next couple paragraphs that she's not used to having customers that early, so... I mean, it is a small town. And also, I just realized, like, I'm saying it like Mary Deer and people are probably like... you probably think I'm saying like Mary dear, but it's like deer, D-E-E-R, like the animal. So there's also a really funny scene where Bess is trying to quote unquote rope a steer and she's trying to rope 
Bud, one of the ranch hands. And so Nancy and George are kind of watching on, and that was pretty entertaining. I also wrote down, Shorty calls Creek Crick, like we do around here. So I'm from the South, and I am not unfamiliar with that term. I've heard people around here say Crick, like down in the Crick. Um, so I just wrote that down because I thought it was funny. Now, my next note has to do with the fact that you pretty much know from page 95 who the bad guys are, because I wrote, page 95, Dave shares his suspicions about Shorty, and Nancy is pretty much like, yeah, I think it's him, and so there's really not much mystery towards the end. Like, there's still the mystery of where is Alice's dad, and how are they faking this phantom horse, but we all pretty much know that it's Shorty by page 95. So the next thing I wrote down was George says, poor thing, she never got to come back and search for the treasure. And she's talking about Francis, but I wrote down, never mind that she lost the love of her life. Like her dad shot her boyfriend, essentially, who, yeah, he was a bank robber. But I mean, I think on a scale of bad things, like not getting to search for a treasure is low down on the list. I think like having your significant other shot, that's, that's a pretty big deal. My next note is just great jumping steers because I think Shorty says this and several of the other ranch hands they have like these very funny sayings but I was like great jumping steers that's that's not one that I think I can like reasonably work into a conversation though okay so we're to the problematic and racist part of this book I wrote down Indian costumes yikes They call them squaw outfits, and so Nancy, Bess, George, and Alice go and buy these quote-unquote Indian costumes to go to this barbecue, and I'm just like, why? Why, Harriet? Why did you include this in the revised? Why didn't you just change it? Now, as far as cultural appropriation goes, I think there's a fine line. If you're doing something in a respectful way, it's very different, but when they call them costumes, it's just like, It just made me cringe. So my next note just says tacos is in italics. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Maybe tacos were just not as commonplace back then. But it's funny that Harriet felt the need to put the word tacos in italics. Like, nobody knows what they are. It's this new exotic food. I don't know. It's it's kind of funny. There weren't no Taco Bell on every corner. And now we come to another problematic thing that is in almost every Nancy Drew book that Bess makes an appearance in. And if you're a true Nancy Drew fan and reader of the books, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, this is the first book that Bess appears in and she still can't get away from this, but there is so much fat shaming around Bess and it's always George doing it and it's so awful. So I didn't give a description of what the cousins look like but George is always described as being a slim attractive teenager and she has short darker hair and Bess is always described as being pleasantly plump and blonde. Like I'm sorry is there a way to be unpleasantly plump pleasantly plump like why is this an identifying characteristic of Bess? Like I think Bess needs justice and I think that she does get it in some of the later books, but we aren't going to see that for a while. So it's incredibly awkward and just mean. So here's the thing that George says to Bess. She says, eating is really a very fattening hobby, dear cousin. Like, what the hell, George? Like, why why even go there? Like, she's your cousin. And it's so rude to do this to anybody, to comment on what they're eating, what they look like. It's just, 
George makes me so mad sometimes. Anyways, moving on, another thing that I wrote down was Bess and George asked Nancy what Ned would think of Dave. And all Nancy says is Ned will be back from Europe and will be going home soon. So this is actually a continuity error because Nancy doesn't meet Ned until Clue in the Diary, which was like two books from now. So I thought this was interesting that they made this mistake in the book. Also, Nancy Drew is a player. She's cheating on her imaginary boyfriend up to this point, which I thought was funny. Which, you know what, Nancy, you do you. You're on vacation. You're trying to find this phantom horse. I'm sure it's super stressful. You got stuck in a rock slide and almost abducted. So you want to hang out with Dave? More power to you. I also wrote down Nancy doesn't take any of the gold. She never takes a reward. She will sometimes get like a gift from people at the end of solving a case, but she never takes anything monetary or anything like super valuable. Like, I would be tempted. They were like these little gold hearts like they are in the computer game. I, I don't know. I'd probably want one. And my final note is Nancy gets Hannah a turquoise pillbox. And I think she buys this at Mary Deer's store. But I thought that was sweet that even though she's on vacation, she's still thinking about Hannah Gruen and she got her a gift. So the next section of this podcast is add that to your resume. And here are a few things that Nancy did in this book. I put down that Nancy is a skilled equestrian because even though that horse was trying to buck her off at that point when the burr was put under the saddle, she didn't lose her cool. And during the rock slide and so many other things, she just displayed excellent horsemanship. I mean, Nancy definitely strikes me as the type to have taken horseback riding lessons. And honestly, like with Carson's job as an attorney, I'm sure he could afford to pay for those. The next thing that I thought Nancy Drew could put on her resume is that she is an excellent baker. In one point in the book, she makes a chocolate cake and Bess and George make a huge deal out of the fact that Nancy's like renowned for her chocolate cake baking skills. So I was like, hmm, okay, she probably learned that from Hannah. I also put skilled in misdirection because Nancy throws a rock at one point to distract the criminals and lead them off of her and Alice's trail. Another skill that Nancy exhibits in this book is that apparently she's a chemist because Nancy knows about phosphorescent paint and she figures out pretty quickly that that is how the phantom horse is able to glow in the dark. Like, is there anything that Nancy can't do? Because I, I don't think I've seen it up to this point. She's pretty on point with everything. Okay, so now we're at the point in this podcast episode when I discuss some of the things that I liked and some of the things I didn't like about The Secret at Shadow Ranch. So the first thing that I really liked about this book was just the Southwest setting. They're in Arizona and they're on this ranch and I just found that really fun to read about other than the uh, cultural appropriation stuff. I loved that they were out west and got to ride horses and that was so cool. Another thing that I really liked was Bess and George being in this book because I always think of the classic Nancy Drew books as having them in them. It just doesn't feel like a Nancy Drew book without Bess and George teaming up to help Nancy. And I like how there's this shift, you know, we had Helen Corning in the earlier books and now Bess and George are kind of coming in and helping Nancy solve these mysteries. Now for the things I didn't like. Honestly, the Indian costumes, the squaw dresses, that was so awkward to read. And I wish that Mary had had a bigger role in this mystery. I feel like Mary Yazzie in the computer game has a much bigger role than Mary Deer does in the book. Another huge thing that I didn't like about this book was the fact that this is the first book that we see Bess in and she's instantly fat shamed. And this is something that lasts over the course of the rest of the Nancy Drew books. I think not until the mid to late 1990s did they stop 
portraying her this way. So not to sound too on point with this episode, but you better saddle up because there's a lot more where this came from. And I don't know why Harriet wrote this into the books or why Mildred did. It's just so just mean. I, I don't like it. Now, as for the last thing that I didn't like about this book, I honestly didn't like the plot with Alice and her dad being missing. I don't think that it was needed at all. I don't know if this was something that was added during the revisions or if it was in the original, but it just really took away from the story. I don't feel like it had any purpose being in this book. Even despite me having some things that I didn't like about this book, I did like this book. Like overall, it was a very entertaining book to read. I loved the setting, I loved the characters for the most part, and I liked Nancy, Bess, and George teaming up in this book. So I gave this book a rating of five magnifying glasses because it is one of my favorites. I think it's such a good book other than some of those little things that stick out to me. But I feel like also the computer game, which I cannot wait to play later and review on this podcast, but I feel like they did a great job of adapting this book to that game. So that is the conclusion of this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it and I want to know what did you like about Secret of Shadow Ranch and what did you not like? Because I feel like there's some things that people are pretty much in agreement on and then there's some things that would probably surprise me to hear. So if you'd like to answer my poll and my question after this episode, I always do these on Spotify and I love seeing your all's answers. So that is it. I hope you all enjoyed talking about this book and on next week's episode, we're going to talk about The Secret of Redgate Farm. This is another one that's pretty good, but it's it's got some interesting things in it, so we will be discussing that next week on episode 8. So again, happy Thanksgiving, and until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Drew Podcast. If you'd like to stay up to date on the latest information and new episodes, our Instagram is True Drew Podcast. Or for general inquiries, you can email us at truedrewpodcast at gmail.com. 